I think one of the things that we're asking now is as we think about scaling this business and building this business with more coaches and with retreats and with more growth groups and teaching and all of that, one of the things that you and I are starting to have a lot of conversations about is how do we give just enough to give the right people everything that they need structurally and environmentally to be successful and nothing more because we don't want to get in their way. We just want to let great people do what great people do. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, we've been pretty open in this first year of business that we've made a decision pretty early on to build in public. And what that means to me is that we're not going to go behind the scenes and create something that is perfect and polished that we can then share with all of you. No, we're going to be very open about the fact that we are literally building this thing as it's taking off. And we're going to let you in on the highs, the lows, and all of the progress that's in between because I know it's in those imperfections that oftentimes the greatest lessons are found. And so one of the things that I really want us to be doing consistently on this podcast is sharing with you the story of Path for Growth as it's being built. And I'm so excited. Many of you already know this, but it was about three months ago now that we hired our next full-time employee as a COO, a chief operating officer, and his name is Zach Estes. Now, Zach has been a friend of mine for years. I met him at Ramsey Solutions, which was my previous job. But before that, he had a background in manufacturing and also worked in hospital and medical operations. The guy is as passionate about systems and processes as anyone that I've ever met. And I'm so pumped because literally, as I'm recording this podcast, he just finished his first 90 days of being a Path for Growth team member. And man, we created a 90-day checklist for this guy. I mean, it was a mound of work. And just the game plan that we had set out, literally someone on our team told Zach, they were like, man, I think you'd be in really good shape if you accomplished about half of this. But the guy just got after it, just completely knocked it out. And he's made such an impact on our product, on our team, and on really the future of what we're building and on me personally, just so good. But I'll tell you, it it really wasn't a guarantee that he was going to even become a part of this team. It honestly wasn't even something that I thought was an option. But that all changed a little bit when we sat down for a beer just about four months ago. We were just talking and you started bringing up, man, I'm really thinking that I may want to bring someone on who's more kind of operationally focused and can help can help me grow this thing and run this business alongside me as more of the integrator. You talked a little bit about someone that you had observed who had a visionary and integrator relationship in their business and how you were inspired by that. But man, my perspective of the whole night was a bit of a bit of a a bit of a train hitting me like head on, like there in, in both in, in totally a positive way. Like I I felt a ton of relief. I had kind of been in a season that I was super thankful for at Ramsey, but I had kind of been in a season where I didn't really know what my next role was going to be. I didn't know where my career was going to go. I was really kind of juggling things as to as far as like, what is, what is, what is it that I'm capable of doing? What do I want to be doing? Where do I want to be? And do those things align with the places that I want to work? And man, I just remember so much like us being friends 
and working mm-hmm. well together and our strengths being completely opposite and sometimes annoying the crap out of each other. And, <laughs> and like that, all of that was fun. All of that was fun. And I missed that. And I remember ever since you had left the team at Ramsey that like, I remember telling people often that like, man, I just miss that Alex is, Alex works here. Like I miss working with Alex. And so whenever you brought up the ideas, it's just that kind of, Hey, this is something I've thought about, man. It, yeah, there's something about sharing a vision and, and if it's in alignment at particularly with me, like, man, yeah, it's just, it's just a path to walk down at that point. Well, yeah. So there's a couple of things there. People that listen to this podcast regularly know who Chris Prenovost is. We did a conversation with him and it was literally the work or the week before I sat down with you that I was visiting his office and I watched Chris, who is definitely a visionary wired leader. He's the CEO of AZ Pro out in Arizona. And I watched him leading this 75-person team. And he just displayed a high degree of freedom and creativity. And he looked like someone that was operating in his strengths. But I think more than all of that, he actually looked like he was enjoying what he was doing. And I resonated a lot with Chris. But then the other person that I met there was Chris's integrator, Robert. And I watched Robert and he was also experiencing freedom and creativity and he was enjoying his life and he was doing all the things that I hate to do. Like he was literally doing the things that I procrastinate. And man, it's one of those things. And you and I have talked about it. I intellectually believed, I logically believed that there it's possible to have someone and to work with someone that loves to do all the things that you procrastinate. But I don't know that I actually emotionally felt like it was true until until I saw the example of Chris and Robert. And it was out like it was out of that that I just started thinking like, okay, well, who could potentially represent that? And you were literally the first person that came to mind that I was like, I think Zach actually likes all the things that I hate, you know? But yeah, totally. And it's it's so funny, too, because it's it's funny that you would think that about the like my strengths and the things that I'm passionate about, because that's what I think about your strengths and the things that you're passionate <laughs> about. And I'm like, who in the heck would want to be that person? Uh, but it, I think that's such a man. I, I feel such humility in that because I think it's so easy for me to feel pride in what it is that I'm capable of or think that I'm capable of and that maybe I can do everything. But that's false. Mm. Yeah, I, I and oh, particularly, I can't do everything as well as other people can do other things. I think that's the bigger principle there. That's right. I that's what I've learned is like some of the best delegators that I know are just the people that are the most conscientiously aware of their own limitations, and they're like literally like maybe I could, but really I can't. And, and I'm not even willing to try and I'm going to find other people that love this stuff instead of me just trying to put up with this stuff. And I feel like that's kind of what our relationship has become in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Like there's things that I do that you could totally do. There's things that you do that I could maybe kind of do. And and we've just kind of started to operate, and we're only 90 days in, but we've started to operate in this tandem where it's like, I'm going to let Zach do what Zach does best. You're going to let me do what I do best. And I think it's just the unique combination of the two that have really created the growth that we've experienced. Is that how you feel as well? Yes. I think there's a, there's a ton of there's a ton of like presumptions that are made like we've built a relationship, mm-hmm. right? We spent two years working together 
before this type of relationship, before this engagement in Path for Growth specifically. And so I think we've built trust to be able to rely on one another, to give the other the freedom and the responsibility to do the things that they're best at. And and I don't know, I think that that's really, really important to clarify and to like know that that's the case. I mean, even my wife can see it between us. Like Taylor can see that there's like this level of trust between us that is necessary for us to be able to operate the way that we want to want to operate. That's right. I I think I've told you this. I've had a handful of people reach out on LinkedIn or just shoot me a text or give me a call as soon as you came on. And people literally saying, I've been in business for three to five years. And like, I would love to have a chief operating officer or someone that is operationally focused that owns operations in our business. And they're asking us like, how did you do that at Path for Growth? It w- I mean, it wasn't even at, at year one. It was in the first year we did that at Path for Growth is when you came on. And like the, the first thing I would tell them is God, right? Like it, it's a total God thing. And you and I talk about that a lot, how it's like, it's almost a little bit freaky how in tune and in sync you and I are on the that really deeply matter. Like there's a high degree of trust there that's almost a little bit unexplainable, right? On on the things that matter most. And and then the second thing that I always go into, a lot of times they're asking me about how do you financially make it happen? And certainly there's a part of that. Like in the first year, I'm just a very frugal person. And I just kind of set out in the first year, like, I'm not going to spend any money at all. And we really didn't spend much money at Path for Growth. And you're more keenly aware of that than just about anyone in the business right now. But I, I think the financial piece is almost negligible. I think it's what you said that matters most is the thing that is so necessary that I think you responded to in that first conversation is a compelling vision a, a worthwhile purpose that you are deeply passionate about, but then also almost like a loose enough grip to say, if this is supposed to happen, it's going to happen. And I always think, I want to hear this was your experience too. I always think back to that first conversation we have and think like, man, that was a God thing. I felt like it was the loosest grip conversation I had had about the future of this business in the entire year that I started it. Right. I just like it. I, and, and it just gave such a level of peace that it's like, if this is supposed to happen at will, but we do not need for this to happen. And I think that that is actually one of the reasons why it did happen. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I felt, I felt a degree of freedom is, isn't fully representative of, of the situation, but just the, just the ability that this was an opportunity like you said, that matched with the vision, the purpose behind it, just that the presentation of the opportunity opened up so many more doors in my mind that, okay, I'm free. I'm not a slave to my job at Ramsey. I, again, I loved working at Ramsey. It was a great place to work. Love those people, but I wasn't a slave to it. And so it was a mental mind shift for me to say like, okay, I could, I could see myself being at Ramsey. Is that what I want to do? I could, could I see myself being other places? Are those things the thing that I want to do? Because it just opened up this door of freedom to say, let me analyze where it is that I want to be and the work that I want to do. And like, I mean, this is a little jumping the gun, but since coming on board, some of the things that I've told you, it's like, I want to own my own businesses someday. But the but the work that I want to do on a daily basis is COO of Path for Growth. Like that's, it's the, it's the day-to-day work that I want to 
be managing and running and operating. But that doesn't mean that I can't be doing these other things that are almost like side hustles or just like other ways for my family to invest our uh, finances. But but I, I think that this just had such significant alignment with what it is that I want to be spending my time on a daily basis and trying to make an impact in that way. Um, That's right. And I think one of the principles that stand out there for both of us that I think we've both learned in spades just in the past 90 days since we started working together, uh, it's, it's something that I heard Tony Robbins say, it was about a year ago now, and he said it in passing, and it has stood with me ever since it, the, the person with the most certainty always influences the other person. And that principle is true. That principle is also really freaky, like because because that means that you can use certainty as a motivation tactic or a manipulation tactic. And if you speak with certainty about things that you're not certain on, people will follow you. And, and that's really dangerous. And so I think what we've had to challenge each other to do with regard to that principle is to say, Let's speak with a high degree of certainty and confidence on the things that we know and the things that we believe today, but let's not overextend ourselves or get too far out over our skis and talk with certainty about the things that we may want to be true, but are not yet true. And like, I I think that brings a level of reality to our conversation so that I could give you the clearest possible picture of what it would be like to work with me because it's, I mean, I remember telling you like, dude, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit of an emotional roller coaster sometimes around this business. And, and the person that I need on board needs to be the one that's hyper stable so that they can let me go up and down because there are creative benefits to that. And There are other people that are hyper talented that I would be afraid to tell that to because I'd be afraid that it would scare them away. But it's so necessary for me to have you be that person that knows that because that's why we work so well together. Conversely, like you've got to be able to tell me with certainty man, like I want to own businesses one day and I've got the, these dreams for my family and and I've got these dreams for myself and Taylor and I've got these dreams for my creative pursuits and for my role in this business. And you can't be afraid that that's going to, to preclude you from doing the work here. And I think that That's one of the things that I'm most excited about is the level of transparency that we currently have with regard to what we're doing and with what our individual goals are, you know? Yeah, totally. And even just to like, you've kind of hit on this with the level of transparency and us knowing what we know and with the things that we don't know, like that's really hard for me to be like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, or I don't know what the next step is in this situation, or I don't, you know, to say, I don't know, I think is extremely humbling for me and and decently difficult because I like to have a plan for things. I like to know the next steps. I like to have a path, a visible path. And I think that that's one of the things that like, I don't know, it, it's been able, it's so much easier just to say, I don't know with you mm. because we've built this relationship and we, and like, it's, it's kind of like this dial that we've turned in our heads of like, I can do this with Alex. I know it's safe. I know we'll trust one another. We can wrestle through things and we'll grow from this. We'll learn from this. I love that you use the word path there because that that's one of the biggest things that we've learned in working with our clients in the first year is that the person that shows up that feels the need to pretend like they have everything figured out, they don't, they don't need a path for growth. 
right? They literally don't need what we do. The, the person that we are created to work with is the person that has the courage and the guts to say, I don't know. But the good thing is, is I think we can figure out what we don't know, right? And, and I think we're trying to create an environment where it's deeply okay for impact-driven leaders to say like, man, I, I, I am so far from having all the answers figured out. There are things that I feel like I should know that I don't. And it's okay to say that because the minute we say that, that's when we can actually create a path. If we're not willing to recognize where here is, then we, we will never get quote unquote there, you know? That's right, right. And I think that's what you and I do is like, now we're 90 days in, this is one of the things you and I have had active conversations about as this thing grows and this thing expands. I think we're going to have to get really good at like, don't, don't read the headlines. Don't listen to the critics, get a clear picture of reality. And I think that's one of your giftings is, I don't know. I'd be interested to know if you think this is one of your strengths. My perception is that one of your strengths that has really benefited me is you're really good at cutting out external noise and just seeing a situation as it is. And sometimes that external noise is me. So you do a very good job of that. <laughs> no. So my background's in manufacturing engineering. And, and part of what you learn with, with science, you can you, you learn to observe things as they are. What are the things that I can measure? What are the things that are that are true that I can point back to like what are the things that happened period and that just be able, like that's where my first tendency goes is to not be like what do you feel what do I feel like I, that's not my first tendency my first tendency is to say well what happened like what what do we know what can we point back to and know what happened and and that's just such a helpful coloring of a map like it, it gives such context to a, a past situation that then you can bring into the the feelings of, of a situation or the desires of a situation and where you want to take a situation. But yeah, I, I tend to, to go more objective. I never call my perspective objective because that's not, that's by definition not accurate. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Yeah, that that is literally counterintuitive to say, oh, I'm just providing an objective perspective. No, you're not. Your, your perspective is outrageously subjective. <laughs> totally right. And so, and so I guess what I, my, my main tendency is to try to take my perspective out of the case and just look at, look at what's on the table. That's where I, that's where I tend to go. Okay. So I have worked with analytical data minded process oriented individuals before. And I think I annoyed the crud out of them because I mean, you know, this, there's a lot of times where we're having a conversation. I'll, I'll say that doesn't feel right, or that feels right. Or my primary source of evidence will be an anecdote or a story. Right. And, and I've worked with people that are maybe a little bit more wired like you are previously and they would kind of sh shut me down and essentially just write me off as like that perspective isn't valuable because it's based on feeling and anecdote, which the thing that I really value about you is you are able to take in the feeling and the anecdote. You're not going to let it determine the situation, but you're also not cutting yourself off to it. So was that a learned skill or were you just already, yeah, you're not in your head a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get so passionate about this because I was the, so, so after college, I studied manufacturing engineering, I went into manufacturing. And at the beginning of my career, I was the fresh out of college, young 22 year old engineer who was responsible for managing the specific process 
And attached to this process in a manufacturing plant were a team of operators and maintenance men. And, you know, I was so uh, prideful and thought that I was just like, oh, super smart, really like going to save the world, Zach, come, come <laughs> through, save the company a bunch of money, make a bunch of profit. And, and I could do all the things that would talk about theory, like based on the inputs and outputs, like here's the thing that we should do with this process. But man, the maintenance guys would come to me and be like, they would, they could literally just smell, they could sniff the machine. That sounds crazy. They could sniff the machine and be like, the oil just smells a little weird, which means <laughs> like something, something may be burning like five degrees more than it should be. Right. Or, and so they, they just know these things because they've been around it for, for, they have a feeling with things. And those things are so, so, so valuable that I've learned to, and I wasn't like this to begin with, I've learned to value those, those subjective perspectives because they, they are value. They usually point to something. The question is, where is it in reality? Um, so it's not that they're false. It's just that they're, they're unknown and you have to dig around for them to clean it up. That's right. I love I love that you use that example. I think of that quote that Dave used to always say that says something to the effect of a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. And I, I think that that is true. Like experiential learning is outrageously valuable. And ex at the same time, it's like when we compare what we that what we've experienced anecdotally with hard data analysis and real like methodical research and methodology. It's like that pairing, I think it's so powerful. And what's so cool is that pairing is literally exemplary. It's exemplary of what this visionary integrator relationship is. And I know people have heard us talk about it on this podcast before, but visionary integrator, those are the terms that are used by EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. There's a book called Traction that would probably be really worth reading if you're interested in this. There's also another book specifically about this topic called Rocket Fuel. But describe a little bit about what that relationship is, and then we'll drive into the individual roles. And I'd also love us to talk about the kind of communication structure that we've created around this relationship for us. Let's start with what is the visionary integrator relationship with regard to how you structure your organization? Yeah, great. So the relationship between the visionary and the integrator is that the visionary has a very specific role that's tied to the long-term vision of the company. Technically, this doesn't have to be the CEO or the president, technically speaking, typically. And so what you want to do is to be able to free that visionary up and, and what we're doing and kind of by following EOS's outline on this is free up the visionary to operate as a visionary so that they can lead the vision of the organization. That, that's all they need to be responsible for because that's a huge, huge task. They don't need to be managing day-to-day -day activities or getting in the weeds of the business often. So what ends up happening is that the only person that's reporting to them is the integrator. So I, I kind of think of this as like there's the, the, the owner of the business, typically the visionary, and the one person that's responsible for managing the business on their behalf is the integrator. And so that's the one person that reports to them. And then everyone else flows through the integrator. So all the, all the other team management and accountability organizational charts all flow out of the integrator. That's right. So now let's talk about each of the individual roles. So I'm playing the role of visionary in our case at Path for Growth. And a lot of times, like Zach said, that, that often the visionary 
skill set is found in the founder a lot of the times. And Zach is playing the role of integrator. Let's talk about our KRAs a little bit, which we describe KRAs as key results areas. It's the top three to five areas that an individual needs to be winning in order to be successful in their role. And my KRAs are the vision of the business, the health of the team. Now, there's a difference between the health of the team and the performance of the team, right? I'm focused on the fact that are they enjoying their job? Are they feeling inspired? Do they feel like they're developing and growing? But I, as the visionary, am not responsible for holding them accountable to their day-to-day performance because that falls under someone else's, aka Zach's, KRA. So it's vision. It's the team health. For us, it's content creation. And many times the visionary will be responsible for strategic relationships, for content creation, if you are a content business, but really being the face of the organization because you likely founded the organization. And then one of the other KRAs that I have that I think this is a little bit unique to us is that we evaluate these every single week is one of my other KRAs is my relationship with the integrator. Like one of my top results that I'm responsible for keeping healthy that we evaluate and come back to on a regular basis and that I am held accountable to is how is my relationship with the integrator? Because if that ever goes sideways, uh, thankfully we haven't experienced this yet, but I mean, like the whole company will rise and fall on the health and vitality of that relationship. And so- I cannot tell y'all those four things. I love to do it. I love to do it. And honestly, one of the greatest challenges that I'm facing right now currently is that it almost feels too good to be true, that that's what I'm responsible for. And I have to focus on those four things and everything else doesn't fall in my arena. It's not what I'm focused on. Now, it should also be worth mentioning that I also play the role of coach within Path for Growth. But what I'm discussing for you is my CEO visionary KRA. So I'd love for you to now walk through kind of your integrator KRA, because I think that there's a lot of parallels that if people wanted to hire for this person or become this person, they it would likely look a lot like yours, Zach. Yeah. So I'll jump into that. And then it may be worth discussing how ours are ours are. There's a, there's a string between us, but but we can discuss that. So yeah, part of my responsibility is, again, like Alex, that the relationship between the visionary and the integrator, I'm responsible for that as well, right? I'm one half of that relationship. Alex is one half of that relationship. The other parts of my KRA is making sure that the strategic roadmap is clear. I and mean, there's a ton of kind of sub bullets underneath that, making sure the operational status is healthy, the financial status is healthy. And then finally, uh, the team is held accountable. And so really like what I, what I actually, we've discussed this before. This may have been one of the things that we discussed at Brewhouse South, a team that we were kind of inspired by to some extent was Michael Mina and Patrick Umel with the Mina group. And just that idea of that, you know, this is kind of exaggerated, but this idea of celebrity-esque chef who's responsible for kind of making the recipes and that's kind of like our content, so to speak, or the principles of Path for Growth. And then the general manager who's going to run the restaurant, who makes sure that the, that the restaurant is profitable, is uh, the team is healthy, recruiting's going well, you know, attrition isn't like 90%. All of those things are happening so that the, the business is running well, but then the visionary really having something to really the creation of the business. There, I think there's yeah. two different things of making the engine and then operating the engine. Oh, yeah. Entrepreneur and leader are two radically different hats. And if you want to put on 
different hats throughout the day, that is totally doable, right? But there are some of you right now that you deeply desire to be an artist and you feel like you have an expectation to also be a leader, like a day-to-day manager or leader of your business, and you're a nightmare for your team. You're a nightmare for your team because the, the thing that you do so well is you create and and you envision and you go out and build relationships and you invest in people and you are sometimes just a little bit irrationally optimistic and you get so excited and you have jolts of passion and energy. And that that is a beautiful person. And at the same time, if you're not careful, that person is a horrible business owner because what your business needs is someone that says everything takes time. It's someone that ha- places a high value, not just intellectually, but through their actions and through their emotions on consistency and stability. It's someone that gets into the details of things and looks for the source of things. And so you have to decide, do you want to put up with the challenge of I'm going to switch hats throughout the day? Or do you want to say, I'm going to put on the hat that really represents me at my absolute best and trust that there's someone that can wear the other hat better than me? And I mean, I think you and I both thought that it could maybe work, but I think you and I both on day one were really a little bit essentially coming in with the posture of we're going to give it our best shot and hope that this works. I mean, that's how I felt, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) that's maybe a little bit concerning to hear now, right? And it wasn't like I knew we'd be able to figure something out. But what I'm talking about right now almost sounded like mythical or magical to me because the, the, I mean, truly the rocket fuel nature of the relationship, the symbiotic nature of the relationship, I was like, that almost doesn't feel real. It almost sounds too good to be true. And I was like, I mean, we're going to aim for that because we should always aim at the ideal, but I wasn't positive that we were going to hit the ideal. And what's crazy is we're 90 days in. We're far from perfect. I mean, and we still, there are still times where I get in the weeds or we're still figuring out our roles and stuff. But I'm starting to believe like, oh no, this hat thing, like where Zach can wear the hat of the person that runs the business and I can wear the hat of the person that owns and leads the business, it can actually work really well. Yeah, I I totally agree. And something I want to come back to that what something that you said you so you were you were more uh nervous for the lack of a better word around me coming on maybe and <laughs> i think i so i would say that around like let's say let's put you at like 60 percent nervous whereas i feel like i was like 40 percent nervous so there's just like this slight difference in our personalities part of what you gave me the responsibility to do was to really justify myself and that's, I think, I think that that shows a couple of things. One, it shows that am I capable of doing that? Two, it shows that may not actually be one of your strengths. And so you wanted someone to be able to walk that, uh, walk and talk that through as to be able to like, okay, can you justify, justify yourself in the business? Why, how, all of these things so that you don't have to do that because that's not your. Well, yeah. And let's just get brass tacks about this. The thing that made me so nervous is you cost a lot of money. And, and and like, I'm going to tell everyone out there, if you're going to hire a Zach or an integrator, that's going to be really good, or you're going to promote someone in this role, it's going to cost you probably more money than you've ever spent before. I mean, th- like this single investment, right. On behalf of the business is, is the largest investment I've ever made in my entire life, period. Right. And so 
as someone that I can be financially decent and aware, right? We we were operating with the budget for the business. We were viewing PL on a weekly and monthly basis, and we were just making sure we were monitoring cash flow and the business was doing good. But th- the financials is not where I live and it's not what I naturally think about. Like I would do all of this stuff for free if I could, right? And and as a result, it was the area because it was the least known to me, it was the area that I felt the most anxiety and fear. And, and it was a total God thing. And I'm now so grateful that we did this is I, I literally told Zach, I said, I'm going to give you the books and I, I want you to go do what a great integrator would do is go through all of this data, go through every month of the business thus far And I want you just to make a case for number one, why this hire is correct. And number two, when we should make it based on what you're reading in the finances. And maybe that's a year from now. Maybe that's three years from now. Maybe that's six months from now. Um, But go ahead and do that. And man, I I will never forget. First of all, you did it in like a freaky short amount of time. But then I'll never forget opening this email and it had all of these spreadsheets and all of these scenarios and all of these projections and all of these readings. And of course I just scrolled to the bottom (laughs) and it was either at the bottom or at the top. You just said like, here's the most direct overview. The financial state of path for growth is extremely healthy. This hire makes sense for X, Y, Z reasons. My professional recommendation would be to make this hire within the next two weeks. And I will never forget looking at that and being like, number one, oh my gosh, he did it. Like he did it. Like I, I went through all this spreadsheets and I'm like, he did exactly what I asked him to. And then some, like I could have never even asked, dreamed or imagined that I would have gotten back what I got. Cause I, I didn't even know where to begin with that. And then it was this awareness that it's like his professional objective recommendation or as objective as he could possibly be is do this now. And man, that gave me so much peace that you were involved in that on the front end. But I think one of the things that would be interesting, I mean, what's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's so helpful for me to be able to go through that process as well. Yeah, I haven't thought about that because I think it can be really nerve wracking for people to come onto a startup. I mean, you, you, you left an outrageous situation at Ramsey. I mean, like people, I get a ton of credit for, for essentially like jumping off the edge and going for this as this, I mean, leap of faith. Right. And I mean, it did take a great deal of faith and thankfully God has provided and and we've been pursuing this calling and it's been amazing. But I would say it was it was darn near just about the same amount of faith required from you to leave something that was outrageously good for something that is relatively unknown and uncertain. And so can you explain like what that did for you to be able to dive into the numbers like that, that made it maybe a little bit easier to make that move? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know who prompted it. I think you prompted it. I don't think I prompted that 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 process in particular. And the fact that you did that showed something to begin with. That showed a level of freedom that I was going to receive in this role. Like if that's what the role looks like, actually managing the business, not not being given a bridle and uh, bit and you have reins pulled tight. Like and and I hadn't even been hired yet, right? That was step <laughs> one to like Yeah, we are we are freaking people out right now. There are some people that are like, you did what? Excuse me. Right. And we have to just like, we had a relationship that was built on trust 
unshared values. And so like th- there's a lot of things that we may not recommend directly that we did to a bunch of other people, but like it offered me such freedom just to be able to go through that process before even starting the process of being like, okay, I love this amount of response. And it makes me take it more seriously, frankly. Like if I can go to the to the my maximum capacity with a with a project or a task or a whatever, it, it I just feel such freedom. And that's what I want for our team members. That's what I want for our clients and our, our the businesses that we work with too. That's so hard. And the fact that you got there, like you were able to wrestle through that over the first nine months of starting Path for Growth, like, I don't know, I it, it allowed such free for me to experience such freedom. And then that's one of the initial things that I loved. When I think that's one of the areas that I've been thinking about a lot with regard to practicing healthy growth, which is what we're all about is if we take that phrase that we used earlier, the the person with the most certainty always influences the other person. That's a principle. And you put that through the lens of, okay, how do you leverage that principle in a way that is healthy? Well, you make sure that the things you are certain about, that you are speaking about with certainty, are, are worthy of certainty. It's the minute you start talking about things with certainty that you're actually not certain on that, man, you are going to create a ball of stress in your stomach that will just, I mean, it will, and I I can only speak from experience. And it was literally six months before we brought on Zach, I was there and I was trying to present a picture of the business that I had it all figured out. And I was getting people to come on board to this thing that I had all figured out. And that's, it is not healthy because it's not true. And so I view like handing the books over to you, like when I handed those to you, I I was essentially saying, this is what I'm certain on. This is what we have done over the course of the past nine months. And this is where we are today. And that's what I can give you with absolute certainty is that this is true. And I can also tell you with certainty where I want us to go. The thing that I can't guarantee is that number one, we can get there. I can't guarantee that. I also can't guarantee that you're the right person to get us there, but I'd like to discuss it. And I, I like that made our whole process of bringing you on board so comforting and so filled with peace and so relaxed for me because it was just working with my friend to find out if we had identified the correct solution to solve the next problem. I think associated with everything that we're talking about with regard to this visionary and integrated relationship piece, I think in the first 90 days, one of the things that we have been really intentional about would be like our communication rhythms and it's it's crazy. We moved so fast that it maybe felt a little bit less intentional at the beginning than what it was now. At the beginning, I think we just said, we just need to communicate a lot. And we just said, okay, well, we just got to start with something. And so the first thing we started with was just this daily sync up. So I'd love for you to describe what that sync up is. And then I'd love just to hear from you. What is the purpose that that communication holds for you? So one of the things that we we started doing as soon as I came on board was a daily sync up. And this is like a, a normal daily stand up. A lot of companies do this. Obviously, there's just two kind of full time team members in Path for Growth at the time. And so Alex and I did a daily stand up and we would jump on a phone call and we'd say, what's your word for the day? Which you've started this. And this is something that like 
I feel like is a part of your personality that you kind of bring, like you ask people, what are they learning? You know, what's your word for they? How are you feeling right now? That's not where my immediate tendency goes, but I love that we do that because it, it makes you, it makes you set an intention for the day and to be real, like check in with myself. How am I doing? Am I feeling healthy? Do I have energy today? Did I get sleep last night? Like, do I know what I'm doing today? Am I focused? Am I planned? Am I being intentional? It allows me to be able to check in and then be honest with someone else. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the first part. What's, you know, what's my word for the day? Today was energetic. Yours for today was like, and then we just roll through like, hey, what are the top three things that we're working on today? And this takes like max 10 minutes, usually five. That's right. And we do it via FaceTime most times just because we're a completely virtual company. And so that's really helpful for us to see each other's face. It's also really helpful that at 730, I know I've got this check-in with Zach. And so regardless of how my morning or the night before it been, like 730 is the thing that we try to stick to pretty consistently is we're going to be on that FaceTime and we're going to have that call. Yeah, I mean, like the one, the, the one word, right? One word to describe how you're feeling right now. Like that was the most haphazard. Like, like it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. What should we start with? Ah, maybe one word, right? Like, like, and and it's one of those things that I am now just so grateful for. Like you said, it's it's and it was, it was a really big day for me when you had you had been on board, probably for about a week, and you may remember this. I, there was some stuff externally with regard to the business that I, I was experiencing a little stress around and it was associated with some, some like a cash flow report that we had just read. And I think I was starting to come to terms with just how much money we were starting to spend and how that was uh, a lot more money than we had spent the first month uh, or the month previous. And I remember about four minutes before our call, I started having this thought like, okay, do I do I tell Zach like the optimistic view of how I'm feeling right now as my word? Like, do I tell him like, oh man, I'm pumped or I'm excited or I'm amped? Or, or am I gonna be real and tell him I'm a little bit anxious? And it was like this, I view it as a critical juncture moment that I decided to show up and say, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit anxious right now. And that's probably my word. And I I remember leaving that meeting, it took us about 10 minutes, right? We talked about it and we didn't solve the anxiety in that meeting, right? We just said, okay, well, that's interesting. Zach's very good at just saying, well, that's interesting. Like, let's talk about that, <laughs> right? But the the thing that I observe in other leaders is that they are experiencing outrageous pressure to always be on for their team. And it is almost entirely self-imposed, Like, exactly. And so they don't feel at home whenever they're with the people that they work with every single day, because the people they work with every single day have no clue what's actually going on in their heart and in their mind. And what's what's crazy and what that meeting taught me is that people can actually handle it. And people, you have to, but you have to build that level of relationship to where it's like, hey, I'm a human being too. But some of you, your team is treating you like Superman or Wonder Woman strictly because you've taught them to treat you that way. There is 
there has never been anything that you can't do. They've never seen you face kryptonite before. They view you as invulnerable, impenetrable, impervious to weakness. And and so that's the way they look at you and that's the way they treat you. And you never share anything with that them that is outside of that. And so like that's it's something that I have to practice daily is just to remember like I'm going to try and present the most real version of myself today. Where am I at right now? And not because I need to be coddled or not because we need to go in and Zach needs to lead me through a therapy session or something like that on these morning standups, but because I'm starting to learn that it actually helps Zach and Lane and Olivia and other Zach and anyone else that we end up hiring moving forward just as much as it helps me. Yeah. I think that I think that's huge. I think everyone feels that pressure to be strong for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so the, the problem is when you're not strong for whatever reason, you slept bad last night or uh, a grandparent passed away or your spouse is sick. Like who, who knows the reason, right? It could be a various amount of reasons. For whatever reason, if you're not strong, people, people that you're doing life with should know that. Not- and, and what's crazy is I, that's right. But I think some people say, oh, well, the people I work with aren't the people I'm doing life with. I I mean, well, like, (laughs) I mean, work is a pretty big part of your life, people like like. And so, yeah. And we're not saying you need to go in and just, I mean, vent with everyone. And I don't think I I don't think I vent with Zach at all. It's one of the reasons why I see a counselor is strictly so I never end up venting with Zach. Right. Because that's not helpful for me or for Zach. But I, I think that there is value of just saying I'm not I'm not going to always pretend like it's it's all together because that actually creates a breakdown of trust, I think, because Zach on the outside knows it's not always all together. He doesn't know exactly when it's and he doesn't know why it's not all together, but he does know it's not always all together. And if I pretend that it always is, he knows that there's something that I'm not being fully honest or open with about. And if I'm working for that person, then the immediate question I start to ask is, well, what else are they not being open about? What else are they not being honest about? And so I think you're just setting the tone of, of honesty. And, and I think that this ties into humility. The definition that I like of humility is to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself it's like see, have the guts to see yourself accurately and then not only see yourself accurately, share that accurate viewpoint of yourself with other people. Yeah. I, th- there's something to be said too. So, so we're just talking about this morning stand-up meeting, right? <laughs> that takes 10 minutes. T- totally. Yeah. Max. And the, one of the things that I think has been so valuable that may be hard to pinpoint unless you take the time and reflect on it is that it's a practice. It's the thing that we do daily. And so there is value in showing up, doing the same thing every day as often as possible. And even if it's a little, a little thing, because then we're able to, we're able to get a pulse. It's a pulse check as opposed to if we did that once every quarter and in a more, you know, how are you doing meeting, then we would just like lose track of each other. We wouldn't really know each other. It, it may as well be a, like a survey that I'm sending you. But if I just check in every day, like, Hey, how you doing? Great. Cool. Okay. Not good. Okay. Why? Do you know why? No, I don't, I don't really know. I'm just kind of wrestling with that. Okay. Awesome. What are you doing today? Like, it's just, it's nice. It's a nice pulse for our relationship 
that we're practicing every day. And I think that's what helps lead to us being healthy and growing with each other. Yeah. And that's what people can expect to hear a lot more of on this podcast. And it's it's what we're talking to all of our coaching clients about right now is what does it look like to practice healthy growth every single day? Sometimes I think we sacrifice growth because we think we need to appear grown. And, and you're not grown. You're never grown, right? None of us are grown. You are always growing, right? And we need to grow every day. And how do you grow every single day? You practice every single day and and you will have ups and you will have downs the thing that should not deviate or detour is that you're practicing and we're going to be people as a community as a tribe that practice healthy growth every single day that's what we are all about and there is great joy in that and there's great excitement in that I, so i also think and you just kind of hit on this is like the other piece of that meeting is the three actions. And there's something that's become really valuable for me. And I think it's become really valuable for you. It's like, okay, regardless of how you're feeling today or what, what you're feeling today, maybe it's exhausted, maybe it's excited, maybe it's amped, maybe it's stoked, right? The thing that always comes next is what are the three things you're focused on today? The top three things. And it's like, okay, you're exhausted. Great. What you feel does not always have to determine what you do and your feelings don't get to decide your day. And and we're not just going to cower and say, I'm exhausted. So that writes off the entire day. No, because we're committed to serving other people. So we got stuff to focus on. And so I think it's kind of that dichotomy that, again, was hyper haphazard that has become really valuable of like, OK, what are you feeling now? What are you doing? Yeah, totally. And. The, one of the cool things that I've learned, I mean, I don't know that I've really shared this with you. Um, I notice I have a significantly better day when the night before our call, I figure out what it is that I'm doing the next day. Like there's a larger strategic plan as to what I should be working on, but then dialing in on, okay, what am I spending tomorrow on specifically in these different time slot, slots that aren't already booked? Like, what am I doing? What are those three things I'm bringing to the 7:30 meeting? When I do that the night before, it's 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 just better. I just mm. know it because I think I'm walking into the day when I wake up knowing that there aren't unknowns today. Yeah, and that I mean that's awesome. I love that. I should probably start doing that too <laughs> all the time. I, I'm kind of conflicted of like, man, I want to hold myself accountable to be able to do that more often because I notice a difference. Like, but. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently. You were at this dinner. David Sawyer's worked closely with Truett, which every every story that you hear about Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, just that guy seems like he was larger in, than life. Like just, I mean, outrageous. And And one of the things that David really hit on that stood out about Truett was just the fact that he placed such a priority on giving the right people the structure necessary to just thrive and and nothing more, right? Like we are going to give them just enough to where they've got some direction and some structure and an environment to be successful. And then we're going to get out of their freaking way because it turns out that when you do that, great things happen. And like, I just view like that meeting 
right, is just one structure that it's like, okay, well, because we've got that in the morning, now we're starting to structure our evening around it. Now it's impacting the rest of our day. And it's just a little 10 minute thing. And I think one of the things that we're asking now is as we think about scaling this business and building this business with more coaches and with retreats and with more growth groups and teaching and all of that, I think one of the things that you and I are starting to have a lot of conversations about is how do we give just enough to give the right people everything that they need structurally and environmentally to be successful and nothing more because we don't want to get in their way. We just want to let great people do what great people do. And I think that is at the core of what will make our business hyper successful. Yeah. And so this gets a, this ties a little bit into like, how could someone get an integrator? Like how could they bring on an integrator? You practice something that stood out to me as something that's uh, significantly different than what most people do. You hire, you know, you didn't hire as your as your first full time employee. You didn't hire someone super tactical to. I can't even think of what the like. I don't. I don't know. Social media, like yeah. do all your marketing, do all the marketing tasks. What you hired is the COO and an integrator, and that's that's like one of my KRAs, one of the nine KRAs that I'm responsible for is like the marketing side of things. I think what's so important there is that 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 served as a reflection and a principle for me because man it would be it would be so much healthier for us to hire all-star talent who are uh, capable, who have leadership experience, who are really really capable as leaders in our organization and then have them take on the tactical KRAs, the frontline KRAs until they're ready to hire on to their team. I think I think there's a there's a huge principle there as opposed to hiring hiring a bunch of frontline people and you having to manage all of them as to hire the leader in that area to be responsible for those tactics in the beginning but then to hire for those tactics later on as the as the company grows. That's right. It, it's crazy. There's so much business content out there right now that I've found in the first year of my business has actually become incredibly unhelpful to me. There are so many business podcasts, business books, business writing, business videos, all this stuff, business courses that they teach you, the owner, how to do everything. And the whole, the whole point of effectively owning a business is that you should not be doing everything. Like it, it drives me crazy. And it's like, oh my gosh. And now, yes, you, you need to have a decent awareness and a functional intelligence so that you're able to make effective decisions. But I think that most people's challenges with regard to growing and expanding their business that I observe is is not a business intelligence issue. It's a people leadership issue. And I think a lot of times what Pat Lencioni calls the sophistication bias gets in the way because we think it can't really be that simple. It's I am. I'm telling you, this is why this is why we're experiencing the growth that we're experiencing at Path for Growth. You need to find great people, give them a compelling vision that they could not think of just on their own. Like you want to give them something that it's like, I can't not be a part of this, right? If that's a financial services business, I want you to tell them about how you're going to change the lives of your clients and their businesses. If that's a lawn care company, I want you to say, we're going 
change this community because we're not just focusing on caring for lawns. We're focusing on building people and building leaders, right? Give them something that it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, like, I'm so excited about this and speak about it with passion and certainty and, and get them bought into the big picture. And, and if you can get them to want to be a part of it, they will go to all the business courses that are related to what they are responsible for, and they will be 10x better at it than you ever could be. I see so many business owners wasting so much time trying to figure out how to do things that they have no business doing. Stop it. Go find great people. Yes. You, you said something there of like whenever you're casting vision and having something that answers the question for other people, how can I be a part of this? One of the things that they're wanting is is to know how can I, do I even want to be a part of this with these people? Because otherwise they'll say, I can do this on my own and find the right people for it. Like they want to work in an environment where they love the people that they work with. And, and I think that's super important. And so if someone says, you know, how can I be a part of this? And they say, well, I can take this vision and make it my own and I can create a culture that I want to be a part of, then they'll go do that. But if you set that example, if you lead your organization in such a way that not just the vision for the organization, but the vision for that individual, the vision for the team, vision for the culture, if that is identified and specified in such a way and communicated in such a way, then team members will say, yes, I see how I'm a part of this, not just a part of the work, but a part of the team and my strengths and my weaknesses and their strengths and their weaknesses and how they Form well to serve the mission. I, I just think that that's so important. Yes, it's relative to the work, but it's relative to the other people on the team. Because I'm not going to do like if we hate each other, I'm we're not going to do life together and I'll go find another job. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. And I would also I would go further than if we hate each other. That's kind of like, yes, of, of course, if we hate each other, there's no way. But I think the other thing I would say is if they can't find things about you that they admire, like that they that they actually like look up to like and they could go do it on their own, which all the people you want to hire, by the way, could do it on their own. Then then why? Why? Right. And so that's why I mean, it's at the core of our mission. We're going to help impact driven leaders step into who they're created to be. The, the first thing you have to do if you want to be an impact driven leader, if you want to truly get people on your team that could do it on their own, but they decide they want to do it with you. The first thing you have to do is you have to get your house in order. And, and if you're not being the husband or wife to your spouse that they would want to be to their spouse, if you're not being the father or mother that they would want to be, that they admire, if you're not, if you're not being the type of person at work or the type of person in the community or the type of person online that they would want to be, why, why would they ever? Because they are going to become more like you. The law of replication is real. They will become more like you and a smart people know and have this intuitive thing to them that they're, they're asking themselves the question, do I want to become more like that leader or not? And, and so like we, we abdicate our own individual responsibility for, for setting a stand for ourselves. Now, I, like it's not easy, right? But the beautiful thing is, is I've learned if I can manage and lead Alex, the business is actually really easy. Because it's all the same principles. Now, I mean, the final thing I'll say on this, and then I'd love to get your take on this, is I don't I don't have kids right now and I don't have a wife right now. And 
like I am anticipating when those things come, like it's going to become even more difficult and challenging to be an example or to be exemplary for our team. And at the same point, I'm committed to it. And what I would tell y'all is if you're not there yet to where you can be the example that great people want to be more like, just be committed to it. Just step in the right direction. But I think that's important to call out. And I don't know that I've actually identified that until this conversation, Zach. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's what we say, practice healthy growth. And so like if you're stressed out a little time, man, that's going to bleed over to me because I work with you and I care about you and and I should care about you if I'm if I'm working with you. And and if you're unhealthy, that's gonna be like our activities are going to uh correspond in one another's lives. And that's one of the things I feel I feel accountable accountability for too is is am I practicing healthy growth? Because if I'm not, to your point, like we have to take care of our own house. If I'm not, then how can I expect others to be? And I'm I don't serve I serve as an antithesis to that model if I'm not. Like it I can't model healthy growth if if I'm not healthy. You know, that's like right. That's right. Think about how ludicrous it is to expect your business to experience healthy growth if you can't. Right. First of all, I don't think you want that. If you're not healthy, I don't think you want your business to grow. It will become it will become a nightmare to you. And the reason why I can say that is because I've literally watched it play out in real time for other people. Right. If you're not healthy, you do not want your business to grow. Conversely, if you are operating from a posture of not health, of practicing health, then then, man, the business growing becomes a delight and not a burden. Sometimes I think I can sound angry on stuff like this, Zach. And 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 I, the thing that I'm reminded by is like like anger. The gift of anger is passion. Right. And the the reason why I'm so angry is because I just get so honestly sad and mad whenever people pursue growth for the sake of growth and they try to grow the external things before they they expand and develop the internal ones it it is never too late to get your house in order and getting your house in order earns you the ability to grow your business totally i we we are our biggest oppressors <laughs> oh, and, God. and so like that's just it right like we enslave ourselves to these arbitrary goals to this idea, to the Instagram life. Like we see other people doing those things, whether they're doing them or not, doesn't matter. We see other people doing those things and we get this idea of that's what I want when it may not be truly what you want. What you want may be, I want to, I want to grow. I want to keep growing as a person. I want to keep learning. I want to be healthy. I don't want to be stressed out all the time. I want to love the people that are in my life. I want to, I want to experience fun, great things, have great relationships. Like those, those carry, those things are like fundamental to the human life. And we arbitrarily choose these other things to run after because we think that they're better, but then we're stressed out because we're practicing, trying to accomplish and get those things. And then we're, we're stressed out. We hate life. We are depressed. We're exploding at the seams. We're physically unhealthy. We, our relationships are in the tank. Like, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm saying this more so to myself as a reminder to practice healthy growth today after we get off this call because it's it's one my responsibility for myself but then two it'll bleed into the lives of the people that i do okay so we talked about the daily check-in meeting where we 
FaceTime each day, talk about what we're feeling, and then just one word, and then the top three things that we're focused on. The next thing that we do on a weekly basis is the Tuesday visionary integrator meeting. So I'd love for you to describe kind of, number one, how that's structured and what we're trying to accomplish there. Yeah. So I would say that this, since it's been my first 90 days, what we've attempted to replicate, and just to be transparent with folks, like we have not fully implemented EOS. We are implementing it over time. And so one of the things that we tried to accomplish here was doing a same, the same page sync, which is in the traction book, a part of EOS. I think it recommends like monthly as a part of traction, but we decided to do that weekly. Let's spend 90 minutes to two hours every week to identify problems that we want to solve together, discuss them and solve them, IDS. Part of what that's looked like though, I would say is the beginning of that, we've really started to implement uh, kind of pass for growth principles. And so some of those are red, yellow, greening, our KRAs. So the KRAs that we discussed earlier, how are we doing that? Do we agree? Does Alex thinks, you know, does, does he think that we're green on vision and I think we're red on vision and is there a discrepancy type of thing? And let's discuss some of those issues. Also our core values, we red, yellow, green those. And this is weekly. This, I don't think this has to be weekly, but it's just been a good rhythm for our first 90 days at least together. And then we start to work more on the business. Problems that are happening more on the business are for that Tuesday, that Tuesday meeting that we do together, the just the visionary integrator meeting. That's what we call it. We we kind of there's a flavor of same page sync from traction, but then there's also just a flavor of like, hey, let's check in with one another, let's keep keep our relationship tight, let's check in with our roles, how are we doing with our work? Let's check in on the business. Where is the business financially? Where's the business operationally? And then there's also some strategic conversations there as far as like, hey, what are we doing in the next three months? What are we doing this year? What are the things that kind of need to happen to line those up? And then I'd say like the last quarter or last fifth of that meeting may be a more tactical things that are a little bit more urgent and important for the season that we're in. What has proved to be the most valuable part of that meeting for your role? Frankly, the very beginning, when we're able to red, yellow, green, our KRA and our core value, it opens up dialogue for us to build more trust with one another. I think we can see, we, we can immediately like, I don't know, this is the wrong terminology, but a, a part of our Christian faith kind of comes into perspective. Like let's confess where what's true, like, and then try to figure out like what's happening, like a red, yellow, green the thing I'm responsible for. If I say I'm red there, then that means I can, you know, I can actually tell you that we're red there. And like, we can have a conversation around that as opposed to being like, nope, it's green and sweep that sucker under the rug. I really think that that's the most valuable thing we do for our relationship and our roles in particular. Um, I agree. And you're now doing it with other team members in their roles as well. Um, I'm with you. Just so people understand, what do we we said KRAs are the top three to five areas that you need to be winning in order to be successful in your role, right? And so it's three to five things that it's like, if we're doing these things, this role is winning and they're contributing their highest and best to where the team is going, right? So first, you've got to clarify what those KRAs are. And then it's just weekly Red is, man, we're unhealthy. We're not meeting standard on this and and we're not where we want to be. Yellow is we may be uh, inconsistent, but we're not fully where we want to be. And then green is we're healthy and we're operating at standard. And the, a couple things that I think are important to remember there is you are rating the priority. You are not evaluating the person, right? And And that like 
it's so helpful to be able to put the priority on the table and just talk about what color is the priority. But some of you need to recognize that because consistent, deliberate, intentional evaluation is not part of most workplaces in America, the natural tendency of team members will be to assume that you are rating them as a person. You are not rating them as a person. You are rating the priority. And the beautiful thing is, is that when we're willing to call the priority red, we can collectively ask the question, what would it look like to move it to yellow? And then you as a leader are are able to play the role of servant by asking, what can I do to help? And it just creates such a healthy rhythm of dialogue around the things that matter most, which it's always crazy to me that people say, well, I don't have time for that. Really? You don't have time to have a healthy dialogue around how to properly do the things that matter most. That is so backwards and so screwed up. So I I was going to say the exact same thing. I think that's the most valuable thing for me as well. And I think that the core values evaluation I think it's important now. I think it will become even exponentially more important as we as we continue to grow. Yeah. The the one other thing, like we're gonna have to talk about this at some point, the the topic of health, because that's why people don't prioritize it, because it because it's a reflection of health. Mm-hmm. If you if you're totally fine, or if at least you'll if you operate as if you're content with being stressed out and gross, then you'll continue to do so. And health doesn't matter. And you'll let all the health go by the wayside. But it's we prioritize being healthy. And are we actually in alignment with our KRA and our core values and the commitments that we've made, that we've said out loud? Yeah. Anyways, I think that's the best part of that meeting for sure. Okay. So we have the daily check-in. We have the Tuesday VI meeting. And then the the final one we have is Feedback Friday. So yeah, our business, we do work at Wednesday. We do Feedback Friday. We, man, we got all these days. We're going we're gonna to grab every day of the week before y'all know it. So talk a little bit about Feedback Friday, about the purpose of that meeting and about the structure of that meeting. Man. Um, so Feedback Friday, sometimes we do it on Saturday. Feedback Friday is just a time for us to reflect on how, how did this week go? And I would say I'd say one of the biggest objectives in, in Feedback Friday has just been able to have a clear point in time as to when we can give each other literal feedback. Hey, I noticed you did this thing or um, this stood out to me as something that you do or how do you feel like that meeting went? Here's my perspective. Like it's just such a good place to be able to be like, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. Here's my perspective. Let's talk about it. And, and that can be positive or, or, you know, critical, but it's it's super helpful to have uh, that type of relationship with someone. I'd love us. I, I want to talk real examples of, of feedback because I, I think that this has actually been one of the things that has catalyzed trust between you and I working together. And it's, it's in the smallest ways. Like truly what I said at the beginning, like Zach and I are, it's a little bit uncanny how in step we are on the the big picture things, but that's what kind of exposes these smaller things that if we don't stay on step of those, it would be, it would be such a shame if we looked up one day, five years from now, and we no longer work well together, even though we've got the big picture things, just because we never address these small things. And so I, I want to share the example of the feedback that I gave you, but I'll go first because I'll, I'll put myself on the stand first and say that like the most 
I would say one of the most valuable pieces of feedback that you gave me that was one of the smallest things. And like literally Pat Lencioni talks about like you should be able to talk about stuff that feels a little awkward and a little weird, but it's worth talking about because it's there. And I think it was I think we were in Austin and we we were at Feedback Friday and you kind of laughed a little bit whenever it came time to give me feedback. And you said this is this is not a big deal. It's super small. And you kind of laughed. You're like, I, I like, I don't want you to feel like I'm berating you or anything like that. I was like, dude, come on, say it, say it, say it. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I think I've been a few guys. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> no, no, you keep going. <laughs> I don't want to rip the you go for it. Okay, okay. I'll rip the bandaid. He Zach looked at me and he said, Man, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes Sometimes we're sitting at lunch or dinner, either just the two of us or with a client. Is this what you were going to guess? Yeah. He said, sometimes we're sitting down and it's like, I think you get so excited that you start chewing food with your mouth open. And I, my face probably turned beet red. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. I totally do that. And the bad thing is, is I don't really even focus on it or work on it. And, and I was like, at first I was a little bit embarrassed. I was like, oh, Alex, you idiot. Like, and it's, it's so true. I just get, I get overwhelmingly excited because number one, I love people. And number two, I love food. And so I just get, what's that? Yeah. And it specifically shows up with chips and salsa. And I just like, and I have a lot to say and I also have a lot to eat. And so I just start and, and, it, and what's important to recognize is if we're sitting down with a client or even if I'm just sitting down with Zach, that looks really obnoxious. Right. And that, that is not professional. And it's also outrageously distracting. I, I know that to be true. Right. And I'm so grateful that Zach told me that. And, and, Go ahead. I, I just think that, like, based on our relationship, and like, I don't think that one, you weren't necessarily aware of it, and two, I think if you were aware of it, you wouldn't, you would want to know how you're being perceived. And that was all that was. That was one of the things with like, whenever we give each other feedback, it's like, man, this is this is how I'm perceiving you. This is how I perceive you. Whether or not it's necessarily true, like. Let's talk through that. But but this is how you came across. I just want to share that with you. And it, you can learn so much from that. And I'll share mine here in a second. That's right. So, okay. So we we talked about it. We laughed about it. I said, man, like you have full freedom to like say a safe word or something whenever we're at lunch or dinner with someone or just tell me, hey, you're doing it again or whatever. And I'm going to commit to working on it. And I just want to make sure that, that I... I break that habit because that is a bad habit that I don't want to have moving forward. And, and here's what came out of that. Number one, I think I have actually gotten a, a better at it. I don't think I'm fully good at it yet because chips and salsa takes over sometimes, but I think I have gotten better at it. Would you say I've gotten better at it? Yes. I think you've gotten better at it. Okay. So that's number one. But then the other thing is it was that conversation that it's such a weird thing, but it's kind of like, well, it really honestly doesn't get that much more awkward or uncomfortable than telling someone that. And so I don't really have to worry that there's ever going to be something that Zach's not sharing with me, right? If it's on Zach's mind, whether it's true or not, if it's on Zach's mind on a recurring basis, I know he's told me about it and it takes up zero headspace for me wondering what is Zach thinking right now? Because I know if Zach's thinking something right now that involves me, he'll let me know. And 
I like I want that degree of openness and transparency with regard to communication for everyone. And I think the only way you do that is if you schedule it, because there is no way Zach goes out of his way if we, a feedback Friday meeting didn't happen to say, Hey, Alex, by the way, at lunch two weeks ago, you were, he's not going to say that that's too risky. Right. But we created an environment for that level of open and trusted communication to occur. And because the environment existed, Zach said it. And I think also the same thing occurred with, with the feedback that I gave you. So I, I, I put myself out there. So now you have to do it. No, I don't mind at all. I, one of the things, I, you you may have to give some color as to how you brought this up, but you did the same thing. It was during a feedback Friday. You you're like you're just yawning all the time. Are you, like, <laughs> tired? Are you exhausted? Like what's going on? Do you need to sleep more? You know, like what what's going on? You're yawning all the time, and and it was something that I was actually aware of, but I didn't perceive it as a problem. I don't think I didn't I didn't I don't see myself as a kind of per- performance esque person. Like I, I I tend not to care sometimes to an unhealthy side as to what people think. And, and so it's super helpful to hear this of like, I know I don't want to perceive that way. I'm not tired. I'm not exhausted. One of the things my grandpa, and he meant this so lovingly and so jokingly, like he, <laughs> I just remember it. My grandpa would always say, Zach was just born tired. And, and like, <laughs> because I would like fall asleep on the, like he would take me to kindergarten, right? And I would fall asleep in the car on the way to school or whatever. Is early. Which is so funny because you are legitimately one of the more passionate people that I know. But, and so it was, it was honestly, I started asking, maybe I'm boring. Maybe that's what's going on. I, I don't know what's going on here, but then like you share with me that context and it was like, oh, well, that's really helpful. Like uh, that, that provides a little bit of color and background to what's going on here. And, and I like just to tactically speak about it, I don't think I breathe well. I think mm. I literally take short breaths. And so I, I end up yawning often and I'm not tired and I'm not exhausted, but with Alex giving me this feedback, like one of the things I was able to do is I I do something that I'm not going to share because then it would it, it would show that I'm I'm fighting against the temptation to yawn. Um, yeah. So you have something you have something that like when you feel a yawn coming on, you do this thing, which I don't for everyone listening. I don't know what it is. He does something in our meetings that if he feels a yawn coming on, I don't know if he pinches him. I don't know what he's doing, but, but, and, and it stops the yawn. It's like this trigger thing. And yeah, we've said like, he can't tell me because then I'll just know that a yawn's coming on and then it becomes the same thing. But, but again, it's like, imagine let's, let's, let's take one week of me going to meetings where Zach is kind of yawning and I start to write these narratives in my head of maybe I'm boring. Maybe he's not getting enough sleep. I like, maybe he's not actually interested in what we're doing. All three of those things are completely false. Now for one week, they're not outrageously damaging and dangerous. If you extrapolate that one week over two years, there is suddenly bitterness and resentment between me and Zach that all started because I wasn't willing to say, Hey, you yawn a little bit. And, and again, for me, I wouldn't have told you if we didn't have structured time for deliberate feedback. And if we hadn't created the expectation, that's the, that's the key here, created the expectation that it's like, we are going to put everything on the table, period. Yeah. And it's like, I know there's, there will probably be something in the next year that comes up that is more embarrassing than me chewing food with my mouth open. Right. It it will probably happen. And the beautiful thing that I also know is I know Zach's going to tell me about it. 
And when, when he tells me about it, I can fix it. I, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. The question is, am I going to see it? Because if I can see it, I can fix it. And so that Feedback Friday meeting has been so great for that reason. And then I think it's also worth saying that we also use that meeting as a time just to wrap on the week, share about anything else that we've thought about over the course of our work through the week. And and I also kind of view it as a way more relaxed opportunity for you and I just to just to talk casually about the business and anything that's on our mind because we're we're moving fast right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's a nice it's a nice uh, bookend to the week, even though we may work some on Saturday, like it, it, or whenever it happens, it, it's, it feels like a nice wrap to what's happened that week. So this was the first of many conversations before we get to kind of some of the, the final questions. I would tell people the biggest thing that we want you to know is is number one. It's really valuable for you to identify your skill set and your strengths and really own those and then to go find outrageously great people who are so passionate about your purpose and vision that they're willing to do the things and not just willing, excited to do the things that you're currently procrastinating. And then the other big takeaway that I hope people hear is is just the communication rhythm, which you should figure out your own, right? We made out the one that works best for us and the business and the stage that we're at right now. Yours will look different and ours will probably look different a year or two from now. But but for us right now, it involves some regular daily check-in that forces both of us to be real, but also talk about what we're doing. Number two, a meeting to focus on just what what is going on and what are the problems that we're facing and what are the things that we're working towards and how do we strategically make sure that we're leading well. And then number three, providing open feedback to each other in an environment of safety and trust. And I think regardless of the rhythm, you should have those three things on your calendar somewhere. I think that's really important. Uh, the final thing I want to know before I ask you the final question is how can people connect with you? Zach is a fiend on LinkedIn. He motivated me to get on LinkedIn. So much of what I do day to day is literally inspired by Zach Estes. So, I mean, he's the guy that got me so fired up about Jordan Peterson. He's the guy that got me operating on LinkedIn regularly. He's the one that got me doing salsa reviews. So we all have Zach to thank for that stuff or to blame for that stuff. One of the two. But where can they follow you? Where can they stay connected with you? Yeah. Look me up on LinkedIn, Zach, Z-A-C-K, Estes, E-S-T-E-S, or uh, also Instagram. You'll you'll get a little bit more into my personal life there and my personal interests as far as freedom. So my core values are be free, <laughs> be better, be known. And I think I express those a little bit more there. <laughs> Just so you know, Zach has some opinions and he's not afraid to share those opinions. He also has some principles. And I love that about like, that's one of the reasons why Zach is one of my greatest friends is because he's one of the most principled people that I know. And so don't don't go follow him on Instagram or LinkedIn if you're not willing to hear some principles and some opinions. Yeah. And you can follow me there at uh, ZD Estes. Yeah. Very cool. A final question for you. What are you most excited about right now? Oh, man. I'm uh, most excited about exploring what it looks like for us to serve as a model of of healthy growth for other businesses, for other leaders, for other team members. I truly say that because I think it's I think it's missing in the marketplace. It it, it connects back to a a 
early career passion of mine of Toyota Toyota production system is built on the two pillars of continuous improvement and respect for people. And I think typically businesses choose one and mm-hmm. they usually have a strength in one. They're usually super process oriented and super analytical and treat people like numbers or they don't know how to do business and they just love people and end up hiring people and get stressed out about that. I think that we are going to show up in the marketplace with a model and and hopefully serve as a model, be the model that practices healthy growth on a daily basis for our internal team, but also as a business. And man, that fires me up. Mm. That fires me up. Me too. Ah, gosh, let's just go do it. I'm about to go just start working on that right now. I'm ready. Well, Zach, I, I know you've heard me tell you this before, but I also think that I had other people here in this as well. Like, I'm I'm so delighted for our team and our customers that you're a part of this and that you had the guts and the courage to go after something that represented adventure because it was uncertain and ambiguous in many ways. And it's been so cool how in the first 90 days, I mean, the amount of work you have accomplished is just insane. And it's already benefiting so many people. And it is literally just skimming the surface. So I'm so excited about that. But I I think more than that, the thing that I would tell you is you're someone that I deeply admire, that I respect, and that I love. And you're just such a good friend. And one of the things that I get so pumped about sharing with people is that you can love the work you do and love the people you're doing it with every single day. And one of those days is today. And so the past 90 days have been so fun for me. I've just enjoyed working with you. And I think that so many people are going to be served so well because of your commitment to practicing healthy growth and then creating systems where other people can do the same. So this is the first of many episodes. This is the first 90 days of many years. And there is so much good to come. Truly, like I'm convinced the best is yet to come. So this is going to be great, man. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so pumped to have Zach as a part of this team and just absolutely stoked about all the work that he's accomplished in the first 90 days. And man, the best is yet to come. One of the things that Zach did in our first 90 days is he set up uh, Worth It Wednesday, which is an email that we send out every single Wednesday. We share a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. So many of you have signed up for this email list. We might, we might just be having a guest author tomorrow, aka Zach Estes. So make sure you're on that list and you can sign up for that by clicking the link that's in the show notes or going to pathforgrowth.com and clicking Worth It Wednesday. Y'all, we're so thankful to you for listening, for tuning in, and for being a part of this mission from the ground floor. Remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. My strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.